This is Jeff Bastian, and you're listening to Ignite It With Meaning, where we'll be exploring the terrain of a meaningful life, creating a roadmap for that, and generating more happiness along the way. Have you ever wondered what the meaning of life is or how to make your life more meaningful? We're here to find answers to those questions, and today I'll be talking about getting started. When I read Simon Golan's dissertation, one of the things he described in great detail is some of the core elements of meaningful and purposeful living. The first one is this idea that, quote, purpose is repeatedly described as a consistent part of one's true and unique self, stemming from an individual's unique gifts, strengths, values, passions, interests, and abilities, end quote. This gets at something that many of us feel. We are unique and different in some way, but that uniqueness can be difficult to pinpoint or express. Furthermore, the ability to uncover and be able to articulate that part of us that represents our strengths, values, passions, greatly increases the chance that we will find a way to consistently express them. So how do you find your greatest gifts? I mean, you can take Simon's Right Livelihood Quests. That's what he designed it for. You can also start life coaching. That's why Mark Newton and so many more do what they do. They want to help you find and take action to express your greatest gifts. Or you can sign up for Ivan's Reclaim Your Inner Throne Rite of Passage. All of these people are passionate about what they do and want to help you break through any fogginess you have around your purpose and help you live more meaningfully. So I'm a huge fan of facilitated learning. There is so much you get from that, from having a trained guide who can help you, to if in a group setting, being part of a group of people who are looking to make the same breakthroughs you are, to having the accountability to that infrastructure. But maybe you're not ready for that and just want to ease into this work. Or maybe you're a diehard do-it-yourselfer. Regardless of where you're at, I want to encourage you to start taking some action. So in this podcast, my goal is to share a bit about my own path for getting started, what that looks like now, and the difference between doing it and not doing it. When I graduated from college, I had big ideas about what I wanted to do, but no clear roadmap for how to get there. I was moved and inspired by heroes of the 20th century like Martin Luther King Jr. and Mahatma Gandhi, who had this incredibly deep and meaningful life purpose to make the world a better place. I hoped to be able to make an impact on the world for the better in the same way that they did, but really had no clue how to get started. I also didn't know what cause I should take on, but was yearning for some place to sink my teeth into knowing that I was attracted to both social justice and environmental causes. And for whatever reason, I really didn't have a person who was able to help me either. I didn't have a skilled guide or mentor who could help me navigate the challenge of finding the right path for me, which would utilize all of my unique talents to save the world. But I eventually stumbled across this book called What Color Is Your Parachute? I'm sure many people have heard of this book but a smaller percentage have likely read the book, and an even smaller percentage of people have actually worked the book. And by that, I mean this book is a project because you actually have to stop and do things, like go talk to people 
or do an exercise in a journal. And thankfully, I actually did the steps in that book. As part of my research for this show, I tracked down our copy of What Color Is Your Parachute? What I found remarkable is that in rereading part of Dick Bowles' book, he was all about living a meaningful life and finding that meaningful life through your work. So it's not surprising that Dick Bowles had an activity I still vividly remember that helps you uncover your, what he called, transferable skills, which I now translate as your greatest gifts. This activity calls you to write seven stories about yourself in which you had fun, adventure, or a sense of accomplishment, and then find themes in them that get at these gifts. At the time, most of my stories came from middle school, high school, and college years. And even though I had relatively little work world experience to draw upon, that wasn't the point. The point was to take any life experience where you felt fully alive and try to decode what you were doing so that you can identify what you love doing. My stories included things like starting a leaf raking business in middle school, putting together an underground newsletter at my high school, and initiating a fund for sustainability improvements in my college student living, all of which were examples I could pull out from my background as something that I felt a sense of pride around. So I'm going to go into a little depth with one of these stories because I find it somewhat shocking that this story about myself in high school has so many characteristics that go into what makes me come alive even today. So the story is about the underground newsletter I started in high school. I was a senior and a pretty engaged student, got good grades, played sports, volunteered, you know, kind of goody two-shoes. I was also in the student government where we were actively trying to find ways to make the school better. But there was this faculty member who was assigned to oversee student leadership. And he was this really kind of hard-nosed guy who was kind of trying to empower us, but also didn't hesitate much to squash our ideas if they were the slightest bit out of bounds. I also had a run-in with him a year or so earlier, and he's basically the reason I quit playing on the school basketball team. Not that I was on a track to really become a great basketball player or something, but I worked really hard at it and it was hard to give it up. Um, So here's, you know, the setup. I'm this high school senior wanting to make school better combined with all the yearnings at that age for independence and autonomy. Um, And I get this idea to start an underground student newsletter that in no way, shape, or form could be controlled by the faculty and especially not our student government faculty assigned administrator. But here's the problem. I had no idea how to do a newsletter. I wasn't a good writer. I couldn't lay out anything. And of course, I didn't want to get in trouble either. Um, So I managed to rope in two of my best friends who I had known since grade school into this endeavor. I felt like I could really trust them. And one was a great writer and the other was actually responsible for doing the technical layout for the official school newspaper. Um, It was perfect. Uh, I was the idea guy. Uh, We had a technical person and we had a writer. Um, We made a pact to tell no one that we were doing this, not even our best friends. We even got a 
post office box so that students could mail us articles for the paper, but they wouldn't go to our home address, which would be very obvious for anybody in the school to look up and see who it was. And we published six editions, all under pseudonyms about all sorts of issues from student rights to what's going on with faculty members to responding to or publishing submissions from other students and faculty. We were never caught. Um, I even saw our dean of students passing it out one day, and we finally published our real names in our final issue after our graduation ceremony. So the reason I went into detail with that story is that while it was always fun to tell people about, and I always thought it was so clever, when reflecting back on this as a guided activity trying to uncover my greatest gifts, I found out that this wasn't just a story about an underground newsletter. It was a story about who I am. And here are the transferable skills or greatest gifts that I tease out of that story. Uh, one, I was highly motivated by the circumstances surrounding the issue. Two, I got some harebrained idea that nobody else was doing and I could uniquely help bring into existence. Three, I couldn't do it by myself, so corralled a group of people to help. Four, I hoped that there would be some broader benefit to the students of the school. And five, I had autonomy and played a leadership role. These themes and others that I found through other stories are still alive in me today. Um, so I'm no longer particularly motivated in high school student senior empowerment, but there are other causes today that I do care deeply about. So let me give you an example of how the issue has changed, but the action and the way that I bring myself to that topic is so similar. Um, as example, I'm incredibly passionate about environmental issues and in particular global warming. Towards that end, I've found a nonprofit that is trying to pass legislation in my home state that would help it reach its share of the Paris Climate Accord, reducing emissions by 80% below 1990 levels for the state. But to reach that goal, the nonprofit needs to build stakeholder alliances with businesses, individuals, community leaders, and politicians and overcome fears and misperceptions around this kind of legislation. So even though I already work full-time in renewable energy, I am so deeply motivated to get this across the finish line for the future of the planet, for my kids' future. I mean, I've been aware of the threat of climate change and wanting to do something about it since before Al Gore's movie An Inconvenient Truth came out in 2006, and now's the chance to do something big. So uh, I'm totally moved to, moved to do something, and I find myself wanting to repeat so many of the things that I did earlier from the student newsletter. I borrowed and modified an idea from a friend to hold a dance party fundraiser for the nonprofit uh, with the goal of getting you know, over 200 people to attend and attempting to raise tens of thousands of dollars for them to do the work they need to do. Um, I knew I needed help, so started recruiting friends. And at this point, I've recruited over 20 people to help uh, make this event happen. I'm hopeful that this work will be a huge benefit in so many ways to raise money for this nonprofit, educate people about the specific initiative, and inspire people to take bold action themselves about an issue that they care so deeply about. And I'm playing a leadership role. 
So when I use this playbook of following my passion, generating ideas, getting others engaged, providing a benefit to others, and playing a leadership role, this same playbook that I first tried out in high school, I feel so alive. And when I say alive, it doesn't feel perfect all the time. And in fact, sometimes I sort of teeter back and forth between stress, excitement, anxiety, connection. But in the end, it is extremely fulfilling to do this work. And it feels like I am living the life I am meant to live. And if I'm not doing this kind of work, it is hard to describe what it feels like. But it's almost like I'm sitting on the sidelines and watching life go by instead of being out there taking part in the challenge. There's research that backs up what I'm saying too. People who are clear about their purpose and using their greatest gifts have quantifiable health benefits like decreased incidence of heart disease and stroke and protection against depression. So up until now, we've been talking about one dimension of getting started, finding that unique part of yourself that makes you come alive and applying it to something you really care about that has some greater benefit to others. So there's another incredibly important dimension of getting started, though, and that's holding yourself accountable. Even if you work with a coach or even if you do a full immersion experience, sooner or later, you are going to find yourself faced with the challenge of holding yourself accountable to work on being your best self. Think about that for a second. If you can't hold yourself accountable to do the work you need to do, how is it ever going to happen? And to do that, you need to make time. So many people say that their life is just too busy to make time for this sort of work. But there are two ways that you can do that. As a podcast listener, you know that you can always squeeze a podcast in. While doing the dishes, laundry, going for a walk or working out, you can fill your brain with amazing information and inspiration. Tony Robbins actually uses the term net time for this time that doesn't actually take time away from something else. But you also need to make time in your day for when you're doing nothing else but this. And this time is hard to find. So I want to tell you a little bit about how I did it. Uh, This is when you're dedicating 30, 45, 60 minutes a day to uncovering and working on your purpose and meaning in life. And if you're like me, Finding that time is difficult work. In order to find time to squeeze in working on a podcast or leading a fundraising party on top of my other incredibly important obligations, such as a full-time job, maintaining a happy marriage, and being an engaged and involved father of young children, I spent over an hour poring over my days and asking myself when and where can I fit in 30 to 60 minutes per day on this. And each day of the week was its own puzzle between days when I'm in charge of getting the kids ready for school, weekdays versus weekends, uh, work schedule, etc. But I couldn't just figure out when, I had to figure out where. It is so important to find that space where you can focus on designing and living your meaningful life because working in a space where you are regularly interrupted just won't work. In order to find this space, You might need to negotiate with family or housemates for this uninterrupted time. It could also be a coffee shop, going to the library, or even getting to work early and stepping into an empty conference room. 
After I made my plan of when and where I'm going to work on my meaning, I also set a goal of time and tracked it, at least for a couple of months until I knew what it would take to hit my goal and had the habits in place to be consistent about it. I also had a chance to refine and tweak when and where those spaces weren't working. And that's what I would highly recommend for you. I mean, if you're not currently spending any dedicated time thinking about how you're going to make your life more meaningful, how is it going to get done? And how much is the right amount of time? Start by setting a goal of 30 minutes per day or even 20 minutes and work your way up. Track it for two months. You can start it on a piece of paper or you can do what I did, which is set up a Google form, kind of like a survey. Bookmark it on your phone and fill it out every night before bed. When I started tracking this for the first month, I was actually quite a bit under goal. But in the second month, I was on target. And what's more important is that I knew what it would take and I had the habits in place to really make progress. And when you have this habit, anything else you do, like work with a life coach, take a workshop, or listen to an audiobook in your net time, will mean that you're going to incorporate that learning and make headway in your dedicated time. The final thought I'll leave you with the, on this topic of getting started is the idea of persistence. At this point in my life, I've tried a lot of different things to help me get to the next stage, from a do-it-yourself approach to life coaching, to immersion experiences. Through each one, I've learned something and gotten something out of it. And if one of them hasn't worked or worked for a while and then stopped, one of the tricks is to figure out uh, that you've plateaued. If you have, keep at it. Keep showing up to your 30 minutes a day. Mix it up. Get a mentor if you need to. Find some new inspiration and stay at it. If you do this, I'm sure that you'll clarify your life's purpose, make a bigger impact on the world for the better, and have a more meaningful life. This is Jeff Bastian. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Ignited with Meaning, where we're exploring the terrain of a meaningful life, creating a roadmap for that, and generating more happiness along the way. In the near future, I'll be turning this episode into a starter guide that you can find on my website. To be the first to hear about it, go to ignitedwithmeaning.com and subscribe to email updates. I promise not to spam you because I don't have time for that, but I will let you know when that resource is out. In my next show, I'll be interviewing Gifford Pinchot III. Does that name sound familiar to you? Perhaps it does, since his grandfather, Gifford Pinchot, was the first chief of the United States Forest Service and the 28th governor of Pennsylvania. Gifford Pinchot III has carried on his grandfather's legacy of conservation and sustainability and started the first graduate school in the United States to offer an MBA in sustainable business in 2002. Gifford has a lot of thoughts about how you can find meaning in your career, how that can carry you through extraordinary challenges and what it means for your happiness. Thank you again for listening, and I hope you're walking away with some ideas and inspiration for living a meaningful life yourself. If you did, please share this podcast on social media or with a friend who you think would really get something out of it. Until next time, be persistent, keep looking, and together we'll build the meaningful lives we want. Mm-hmm.